When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The Trump tax cuts and trade reforms are creating jobs and prosperity not seen in a generation. And the newest GDP numbers prove it. With the midterm elections looming, do the GOP have the guts to call the Democrats what they have become? Marxist radicals. And under intense pressure, Michael Cohen has joined the anti-Trump resistance. But does the president's former lawyer really have the goods? With these stories and more from a nationalist perspective, I'm Jim Dawes, and this is America First Radio's Daily Brief. And thank you for joining America First Radio. This conversation never ends. You can follow us on Twitter at AmFirstRadio and friend us on Facebook at America First Radio with Jim Dawes. Then you can share it with your friends, join in the conversation, start a debate, and get early notifications as soon as these shows are posted. America First Radio is broadcast each weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern on the new Mojo 5.0 talk station on Dash Radio and on the Talk America Radio Network, the new dominant force in conservative talk radio. But if you miss a broadcast, you can always listen on demand on your favorite podcast directory or directly at our website at AmericaFirstRadio.com. Well, I went to bed last night and uh, I had listened to a little bit of the president's campaign speech out i think it was in uh iowa um and um another packed house i think the president uh uh was um a a stand-up um act at one time because man he can really light up a room and uh, nobody i've seen in the modern era uh can uh can uh whip up a enthusiastic crowd better than this president. But he was talking about last night uh, that the GDP numbers that would be announced this morning would uh, would be somewhere between 3.8 and 5%. Uh, so I was excited about that. And when I got up this morning, uh, lo and behold, the number was 4.1%, not as much as uh, the 5 points uh, that the president said were possible. Uh, maybe he needs to learn the lesson always under promise and over deliver. But 4.1 is damn good. We haven't seen that sort of number uh, in a very, very long time. Uh, and the U.S. economy is really um, engineered to need uh, uh, a GDP growth uh, north of 3% in order to um, uh, keep generating jobs and wealth and uh, to pay for the uh, retirement and health care benefits that people need. So four points uh, was uh, something that the president had promised during the campaign. He was laughed at roundly uh, by the, the uh, economic, uh, our, our economic elites who told us that we are in a, a new phase of American economy and that uh, the days of anything uh, over 
uh, 3% were over and, um, and that we had to get used to the slow growth economy. As a matter of fact, uh, a lot of the Democrat papers uh, jumped uh, all over the president when he, uh, when he said uh, on the campaign trail that he was going to uh, shoot for 4% growth for his, his uh, presidency. Los Angeles Times says if Trump thinks he can get more than 3% economic growth, he's dreaming. The Wall Street Journal, the Wall Street Journal, the people that are supposed to know better, said that Trump's 3% growth target looks out of reach. The Hill, uh, they weighed in, this was back during the campaign, uh, remember, that Trump's growth projections leave economists in disbelief. Well, it took the president um, into his second year in office while he was uh, trying to make world peace, fight off a, um, a an engineered witch hunt against himself and all of his campaign associates and family. Uh, but here in the uh, second quarter of his second year in office, we have reached uh, 4.1%. And there's no reason that uh, we can't uh, keep up with this. Uh, the, the American economy has all of the good, strong fundamentals. We have a huge market, consumer market. We have abundant national resources, natural resources, I should say. We have an able workforce uh, that uh, has been allowed to atrophy, both in its uh, its work ethic and in its uh, training and readiness, uh, but it still exists and is uh, there to be um, utilized. Uh, we've got 50 different states uh, that compete with each other, um, you know, for for jobs and and. Um, and businesses so there's really no reason uh, not to activate it the president saw the potential uh, when others apparently could not uh, and now he is uh, where he promised to be i'm going to play you a long clip now because i want the president to be able to to uh, crow a little bit about this accomplishment it's uh, it's about a five minute clip and it uh, gives the president's reading on what these numbers mean Good morning. Moments ago, the numbers for America's economic growth, or GDP, were just released. And I am thrilled to announce that in the second quarter of this year, the United States economy grew at the amazing rate of 4.1%. We're on track to hit the highest annual average growth rate in over 13 years. And I will say this right now, and I'll say it strongly, as the trade deals come in one by one, we're going to go a lot higher than these numbers, and these are great numbers. During each of the two previous administrations, we averaged just over 1.8% GDP growth. By contrast, we are now on track to hit an average GDP annual growth of over 3%, and it could be substantially over 3%. Each point, by the way, means approximately $3 trillion and 10 million jobs. Think of that. Each point, you go up one point. That doesn't sound like much. It's a lot. It's $3 trillion and it's 10 million jobs. If economic growth continues at this pace, the United States economy will double in size more than 
10 years faster than it would have under either President Bush or President Obama. Perhaps one of the biggest wins in the report, and it is indeed a big one, is that the trade deficit, very dear to my heart because we've been ripped off by the world, has dropped by more than $50 billion. $52 billion to be exact. It's dropped by more than 50. Think of that. The trade deficit has dropped by more than $50 billion. And that's added and adding 1.2 GDP. That's a tremendous drop. We haven't had a drop like that in a long time. You have to go back a long time before you find it. By increasing growth to 3% over the next 10 years, that would mean 12 million new American jobs and $10 trillion of new American wealth, at least. And that's not including the fact that since I was elected, we've created approximately $7 trillion of new wealth. The year before I came into office, private business investment grew at only 1.8%. Last year, it jumped to 6.3%. That was my first full year. We had to do a lot of things to get it to grow. And this year, it's growing at 9.4%. So that's a very tremendous increase. There hasn't been an increase like that in many, many years, decades. And I think the most important thing, and Larry Kudlow just confirmed to me, along with Kevin Hassert, that these numbers are very, very sustainable. This isn't a one-time shot. I happen to think we're going to do extraordinarily well in our next report next quarter. I think it's going to be outstanding. I won't go too strong because then if it's not quite as good, you'll not let me forget it. But I think the numbers are going to be outstanding. We've accomplished an economic turnaround of historic proportions. When I came into office, 1.5 million fewer prime age Americans were working than eight years before. We had lost almost 200,000 manufacturing jobs under the previous administration, and you all know, they say, well, you have to lose manufacturing jobs. It'll get worse and worse. Manufacturing jobs are obsolete. No, they're not obsolete. They're the greatest jobs we have. More than 10 million additional Americans had been added to food stamps past years. But we've turned it all around. Once again, we are the economic envy of the entire world. When I meet the leaders of countries, the first thing they say invariably is, Mr. President, so nice to meet you. Congratulations on your economy. You're leading the entire world. They say it almost each and every time. America is being respected again and America is winning again because we are finally putting America first. Everywhere we look, we are seeing the effects of the American economic miracle. We have added 3.7 million new jobs since the election. A number that is unthinkable if you go back to the campaign. Nobody would have said it. Nobody would have even, in an optimistic way, projected it. We are in the midst of the longest positive job growth streak in history. New unemployment claims have recently achieved their lowest level in almost half a century. 
Those are great numbers, and the president uh, accurately uh, described the the turnaround. He started uh, with the things he could do by eliminating worthless uh, regulations, job-killing regulations. Uh, then he got his tax cut passed. Uh, the Democrats, uh, every single one of them voted against it. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to find out who was happy about this and, surprisingly, who was not right after these messages on America First Radio. If you hear a rumbling on the mic, it's because there's a storm moving in outside the studio here, and uh, and it's uh, rattling the windows. It's uh, it's so strong. But you know, uh, I, I mentioned that I went to bed last night uh, anxious to hear the uh, the new GDP growth numbers when I got up this morning, and they turned out to be quite nice. Four point one percent has an outstanding effect on the quality of life of working people in this country. You know, so that they can uh, pay down their debt. Uh, get some pay raises, maybe take the family on a vacation, uh, put some money away for retirement, restore uh, their pensions. The the uh, stock market under this president has absolutely done its part in restoring people's 401ks and pension funds. And, uh, and you know, so as part of this show, what I have to do is go collect the news so that I can report and analyze it for you. And I dipped my toe into uh, CNN and MSNBC, and then I read the um, Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the Washington Post, and some other things. And uh, although they all reported the 4.1%, they seemed like they weren't too excited about it. Uh, A lot of them were, uh, you know, casting shade on this 4.1%. Oh, this was just a a blip, a one-time anomaly. It's not going to happen again. Uh, Trump just lucked out. And uh, it, it was, as I say, it was as if they got their feelings hurt by this success. And, and, and they, they are so consumed, these people, with hatred for this president that they can't even appreciate good news for the American people. And that's, you know, if, if you want to know why Donald Trump was elected, this is a, uh, Exhibit A. Because these people are so tied up in their bubbles that they don't understand that the American people are working hard uh, to to achieve this kind of prosperity. Yes, we were born quite fortunate in this country. We inherited a a great legacy. But we have had um, uh, economic and and, uh, governing elites in charge for generations that have just run this economy into a ditch for no good reason. You know, and I, I throw a lot of, um, uh, you know, negative comments Obama's way, but uh, George W. Bush probably did more damage to this economy than anybody that, well, going back to the Great Depression, that economic collapse that he uh, um, engineered right before he walked out of office and then shoveled trillions of dollars out the door to Wall Street, was an absolute travesty. 
I don't believe it was an accident for a second. I think Wall Street had engineered a way to suck as much wealth out of this economy as they possibly could, knowing that it wasn't going to last. And right before Bush, that they knew could uh, they they could count on to bail them out, they uh, they burst the bubble and let the uh, American taxpayers restore them, uh, bail them out. All the while. Americans across this country were losing their jobs, their houses, their retirement funds. People were unable to get married and start a family. It's just a damn travesty. Obama came in, and, uh, and the last thing you need under those circumstances that he inherited is a, a, a socialist, somebody who believes in uh, you know socialist prescriptions, but that's what we got. And he presided o- over eight years of the most anemic uh, recovery in American history. And I'll play you a clip here. This uh, this uh, sums up his um, outlook on these things quite well. This is um, during the 2016 campaign when he's out um, basically stumping for Hillary Clinton and trying to ask, you know, well, what the heck has happened to the economy? Have been may have noticed following this election, Donald Trump came to Indiana and talked a lot about what happened with the Carrier Corporation and shipping their jobs out of state. Here's someone who worked for Carrier, and he has a question for you. How are you doing, Mr. President? How are you? My name is Eric Cottenham, and I'm representing the uh, Steelworkers Union, Local 1999, and I'm trying to find out what do we have left as far as um, all of our jobs are leaving Indianapolis, right? And uh, I see here you're doing a lot of things, but in Indianapolis, there's nothing there for us. I mean, what's next? I mean, what can we look forward to in the future as far as jobs, employment, whatever? Because all of our jobs is left or in the process of leaving, sir. The problems have been part of the problems have had to do with jobs going overseas. And this is one of the reasons why I've been trying to negotiate trade deals to raise wages and environmental standards in other countries so that they're not undercutting us. Isn't that beautiful? So the president's prescription for bringing jobs back is to raise wages and environmental standards for the countries who have stolen our jobs so that they won't have this competitive advantage as if you're going to overcome a $2 an hour advantage for a foreign worker compared to an American worker. But his prescription is not to make the American economy uh, more competitive or or protect our markets. No, his uh, his prescription is to improve the conditions overseas. But for those folks who've lost their job right now because a plant went down to Mexico, you know that isn't going to make you feel better. And no. so what we have to do is to make sure that folks are trained for the jobs that are coming in now because some of those jobs of the past are just not going to come back and when somebody says like the person you just mentioned who i'm not going to advertise for what is he voldemort that he's going to bring all these jobs back well how exactly are you going to do that what are you going to do there's there's no answer to it he just says, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, how, what, how exactly are you going to negotiate that? What magic wand do you have? And usually the answer is you don't have an answer. Now, I like to play this clip a lot because it just illustrates the fact that this guy had no clue, 
not only were the prescriptions that he had wrong in order to bring back uh, manufacturing jobs, he's going to raise wages and environmental standards to our compet- for our competitors. Really? That's your prescription? But then when you ask him what, he's, what he can actually do here in this country, he has no idea. And he can't even imagine what uh, uh, a businessman like Donald Trump would do to solve these problems, a la reduce regulations and reduce the tax burden and rev the economy, uh, a, a, a smaller uh, slice of a bigger pie in, in, uh, in the form of taxes is still more pie. But as I said, you know, I'm, I'm looking at CNN, I'm looking at NBC, I'm looking at the, the big newspapers, and it seems like their feelings are hurt that this president um, uh, scored a success, never mind the fact that this success is creating prosperity and jobs for the American people. And then I realized, I remembered, it looks that way because that's actually the way it is. They, they didn't want this economy to do better. And I remembered something Bill Maher said on one of his shows recently. This economy is going pretty well. We have to, what? Why, why is that funny? It is going well for now. For now, right. That's my, thank you. That's my question. <laughs> is like, I feel like the bottom has to fall out at some point. And by the way, I'm hoping for it because I think one way you get rid of Trump is a crashing economy. Yeah. So please bring on the recession. Yeah. Sorry if that hurts people, but it's either root for a recession or you lose your democracy. Lose your democracy. The, the guy was elected. He was elected according to the Constitution. He has not done anything to undermine democracy. If anything, it's the Democrats that are undermining democracy by, uh, by eroding the, the sanctity of the ballot. But uh, Bill Maher is really speaking for the left wing. They're all about it. Bring on the recession. We hate this guy so bad. Most of us. Um, you know, uh, uh, don't care because a lot of us don't work anyway. And, and, uh, and the ones that, um, are the opinion makers are fat and happy living in gated communities. And, um, in the case of Bill Maher, didn't have any kids to worry about or, or their future. Just a contemptible, disgusting statement for somebody to make. Don't understand the real pain, uh, that economic bad times bring to, uh, to the American people. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about whether or not the Republicans, as well-positioned as they are, really have the guts to take advantage in the upcoming midterm elections. The better this president does, the better the economy does, the tighter the labor market gets, um, the, the more the president uh, tries to make, uh, make peace, the more unhinged the left become and the left wing's home is now uh, uh, firmly ensconced in the mainstream media. And while I was flipping around this morning, I, I uh, stumbled upon this uh, clip 
uh, it, it was Ian Bremmer. Now, this is not the Ian Bremmer that was the uh, administrator for the um, uh, reconstruction of Iraq. This is another Ian Bremmer, but he was appearing on um, on their uh, their morning show on CNN with Allison Camerata and um, what's that other uh, John Berman, and uh, and they were trying to <clears throat> squeeze some uh, negative comments out of Ian Bremmer, and this is uh, what he had to say. say we need the big picture of this okay so everything it seems to me that since the helsinki summit a lot has changed a lot has come out there's been breaking news on our watch every single morning can you imagine if you were michael cohen okay the president's longtime devoted servant and you watched that helsinki summit where donald trump seemed to um defend or support vladimir putin more than he ever has since michael cohen got in trouble and now michael cohen is speaking or at least, yeah he's speaking publicly through his somebody yeah. through somebody there's a lot of grist for the mill but you asked me about the big picture yeah so you really want the big picture yeah, yeah. this has been a good week for trump how um i mean look we get out of cnn how how has this been a good week for trump You've got a record uh, record low uh, unemployment. You've got a 4.1 GDP. You've got um, you've got uh, a a, a reforming trade uh, landscape. How how has it possibly been a good week for Trump? Yeah. So you really want the big picture? Yeah. Yeah. This has been a good week for Trump. How? Um, I mean, look, we get out of CNN land for just a second. Give it to us. And four (laughs) percent growth in the United States. The Europeans back down on trade. He now looks like a winner on that front. The North Koreans, more progress with remains coming back. And stuff about Michael Cohen, uh, I mean, is he credible? He was Trump's lawyer. Uh, if you are a Trump supporter, this is just blah, blah, blah. You're telling me that they're trying to compare uh, Trump's lawyer, who apparently has no professional standards whatsoever because he's now... He's actually joined the uh, the crusade to get Trump. I mean, how how uh, unprofessional, unethical can you possibly be? What what is he going to do? How is he going to have any credibility? But again, these people at CNN they they think that the this ginned up bogus witch hunt that has been thoroughly discredited and debunked at this point, and all of this uh, reality television show uh, drama that's going on around has any comparison with making world peace and restoring the American economy. Because that's the world they live in. And there's a huge infrastructure of these people. A huge infrastructure built around this bogus, uh, these bogus issues. You know, he's, he's there, he's addressing big problems. And instead of utilizing their, uh, their trainings as, as journalists, to report on this stuff and analyze it, they're bogged down in whether or not Lanny Davis handling Michael Cohen is going to be able to uh, to report something salacious enough on Donald Trump to bring down his presidency. It's unbelievable. I'm going to play you a clip here. Uh, if 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 the Democrats win back the House and and or, God forbid, the Senate in these upcoming midterm elections, we know exactly what we're going to get. We're going to get uh, the repeal. They're going to try to repeal the tax cuts. Um, we're going to uh, they're going to uh, stonewall the restoration of the courts to constitutionally oriented 
uh, judicial system. They're going to make damn sure that there is no um, legislative fix to our disastrous immigration policies. But um, one thing uh, you can bet on is uh, Elizabeth Warren and her uh, clatch of uh, far left-wing nut jobs is going to try to uh, to wreck this economy. It's not about the number. Here's how I look. Here's how I look at at uh, budgets and taxes are, are at the heart of this. A lot of people think they're just numbers. They're not. They are the expression of our values. The values of the Republican Party that passed those tax cuts are to give a trillion and a half dollars away to the richest Americans and the biggest corporations and let everybody else pick up the crumbs. And I don't think that's the right way to think about it. That's because the, the money that they're retur- returning to corporations is are creating jobs and prosperity. That's the way you do it. That's the way you rev an economy. You make it less expensive to grow and employ people. And as a result, you have the lowest black, Hispanic, and Asian unemployment in the history of the country. But that's not of any concern to Elizabeth Warren because it wasn't done the way she wants it, the way she wants it. Well, I'll let you tell her for herself. Too high for the top personal rate. It's not about a number. That's what negotiations are all about. It's It's 50% obviously too high. Look, there was a time in a very prosperous America, uh, an America that was growing a middle class, an America in which working families were doing better generation after generation after generation, where the top marginal rate was well above 50%. It's 90%. That's exactly right. But for me, the... The heart of the question is that you've got to ask, what constitutes a fair share in this economy? Right. And, and look, it depends in part on what the economy is. It also but it depends. doesn't strike you as obviously, no, 90%, that's ridiculous, can't be that. that no, I'm, look, 90%, yes, 90% sounds pretty shockingly <laughs> high. But what I'm trying to get at is this is not about negotiating over mm-hmm. specific numbers. Oh, you can bet that if the the ideological leadership uh, headed by um, Elizabeth Warren and um, and uh, Kamala Harris and this uh, uh, Alexandria Cortez, if they had their way, they would go back to 90 percent uh, taxation and you would see jobs and wealth and and uh, and uh, manufacturing flee this country just like you did under eight years, Barack Obama. Well, the question is going to become uh, in these midterm elections is whether or not the Republican Party um, has been transformed enough by this president uh, to, to take on these Democrats uh, in a street fight because these Democrats have become so unhinged that they will stop at nothing and they will be back out in the streets uh, and they will be doing everything they can to suppress uh, the, uh, the Republican vote. They'll, uh, they'll stop at nothing. They'll have the left-wing media behind them, 100%, grinding out negative stories uh, you know, against the Republican candidates. They'll have uh, the, the social media titans, Zuckerberg and, uh, and uh, Jack, um, Jack Dorsey over at Twitter, locking down social media so that uh, you know, they will have 
uh, blocked that avenue for uh, conservatives and Republicans to get their message out there. And it's going to be cutthroat. And the question is going to become whether or not this Republican Party, which has only uh, you know recently been um, bowied or uh, uh, had its spine stiffened by this president, if they're going to have the fighting spirit to call the Democrat Party uh, basically what it has become, and that is a, a, a cultural Marxist Democrat Socialist Party. And the Republican National Committee is sort of encouraging. They've produced a, an ad uh, that uh, I'm hoping gets a lot of play. It's called the Unhinged Left. It, it really doesn't go as far as it should, but it's a, it's a very effective ad. I'm going to play it for you here. A few years ago, ideas that we talked about were thought to be fringe ideas, radical ideas, extremist ideas. Those ideas are now mainstream. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, in a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless c- What's Uncle Tom but for white women who disappoint other white women? One way you get rid of Trump is a crashing economy. So please, bring on the recession. When was the last time an actor assassinated the president? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. An individual uh, came up to us and asked us whether they were Republicans or Democrats on the field. Jeff told them it was Republicans. A top U.S. Republican and uh, some of his aides have been shot during baseball practice. The suspect identified as James Hodgkinson. James Hodgkinson from Belleville, Illinois, had some strong political views. I have just been informed that the alleged shooter at the Republican baseball practice this morning is someone who apparently volunteered on my presidential campaign. One Facebook group Hodgkinson belonged to was actually called Terminate the Republican Party. Who is this guy? I just hope uh, that the GOP doesn't rely on the fact that, um, you know, the American people have long memories because they don't. Uh, the people, especially in this day and age, have very short attention spans. And maybe they're, they're going to forget that during the 2016 presidential elections that the Democrat National Committee sent um, uh, provocateurs into Trump rallies to start violence, to uh, instigate uh, violent confrontations that uh, Antifa the shock troops of the Democrat Party were out in the streets attacking people, beating Trump supporters, attacking cops, burning things. We can't take any of this for granted. We need to get uh, play hardball. When we come back, we're going to talk about this Michael Cohen issue right after these messages on America First Radio.
so the way you win an election is you highlight the positives for yourself and the negatives for your opponent. And with this uh, 4.1 GDP uh, result in this last quarter and headed toward a, a, a GDP growth uh, for 2018, well over 3%, uh, the GOP is going to have uh, a lot to crow about. The economy, uh, the jobs figures um, are going to be first and foremost in people's minds. The old saying is people vote their pocketbook. And as to the negatives that they can point out for the Democrats, well, their uh, completely unhinged stand on immigration is is first place. The number one uh, issue in polls that people say they're concerned about because the president has restored the economy is immigration. And Trump won this uh, presidency on the, the promise that uh, he was at long last going to be someone to do something about immigration, but uh, he's got enough of these open border Republicans in the in in the caucus, especially in the Senate, that he has been stymied on this. Uh, so I'm hoping that uh, that some of these uh, these Senate candidates get the uh, the fear of God uh, during this upcoming election and start uh, start taking some action on the border, because the Democrats' agenda on the border has become a a, a house of horrors. For the American people, abolish ICE. Really, that's what you want to do. Diane Feinstein actually in, introduced a law that would keep um, any border enforcement from taking place within 200 miles of the border. Would have basically just opened, would eliminate it. It would have eliminated borders. It would have just made the United States uh, easily um, uh, immigrated to by the entire world. There would have been no way you could have enforced that because uh, once they get within uh, the land mass of the United States, you you can't you don't have a defensible line. But um, you know the the Republicans really need to adopt sort of a brass knuckles approach that we haven't seen since um, since Lee Atwater. Um, back in the uh, early 90s. As far as the the Democrats, they're locked into their positions and, and a bunch of fringe positions. They look as if they're uh, violent. Uh, they don't um, uh, respect the American people. They actually prefer foreigners to the American people. They, they want their uh, uh, economic prescriptions are socialism. Yeah, that, that's... The new uh, economic idea of the Democrat Party, they want socialism. Never mind the fact that we've got 100 years of history now that socialism has failed every time it's been tried. Eventually, you run out of other people's money. It saps people's productivity. It saps people's um, ambition because... Uh, they can't just stand or fall on their own. If they do well, then they've got to give away the major uh, portion of their income so that they can take care of the people who don't have any initiative or ambition. And it seems like what is actually going on is the Democrat Party is purposely trying uh, to, to commit Harry Carey. 
You got Maxine Waters become a major spokesperson for the Democrat Party. Telling people if, uh, if you come across Republicans to uh, uh, hound them out of public spaces. So I'm going to be very interested to see if the uh, Republican Party takes advantage uh, of, of all of this and really, um, as I say, calls the Democrats out for being the cultural Marxist socialists they are. For the Democrats' part, all they're going to have to talk about is Russia, Russia, Russia. And and that's all that they do talk about. Uh, recently on, on Morning Joe, they're pretending as if Claire McCaskill, who is, uh, she's one of these Democrats in a, uh, a red state, a state that uh, voted overwhelmingly for Trump, Missouri. Uh, she's, she's starting to pretend like, oh, uh, her, her campaign's being hacked by the rascally Russians. I'm going to play you a clip of, off of uh, off of Morning Joe. East was the first to link McCaskill to phishing attempts to infiltrate her campaign through staff's email passwords. Around the time of the hack attempt, President Trump was in Missouri chastising McCaskill and asking the crowd to vote her out of office. We first learned of Russia's midterm hacking attempts last week during a security forum. Now, now let me, uh, I, I watched this whole segment. I can't play the whole segment for you, but there is no proof offered or even um, alleged that this hacking was from the Russians. It's just assumed that it be Russians because it's a, a so-called phishing attack where you send somebody an email saying reset your password and then it gives you a link to a, a bogus website where you go and, and give up your existing password that they capture and move right in and take over your account. Trump said during the campaign that anybody could have done this, some, some 400-pound person laying in their uh uh, their uh, bed could have done this, and it's absolutely right. It's uh, anything that any high school student uh, can put together. But they assume, well, first of all, I'm not convinced it actually happened. Uh, it looks like a pretty good talking point for Claire McCaskill that wants to to uh, highlight the the ominous um, uh, Russians. But even if it did happen, you, they they offered no proof or any any real allegation that it was the Russians. Earlier this year, we did discover that a fake Microsoft domain had been established as the landing page for phishing attacks, and we saw metadata that suggested those phishing attacks were being directed at three candidates um, who were all standing for election in the midterm elections. I can tell you that they were all people who, um, because of their positions, might have been interesting targets from an espionage standpoint as well as an election disruption standpoint. Senator McCaskill has been highly critical of Russia and is a top Senate Democrat facing tough re-election. All the Democrats have been highly critical of Russia. Uh, the people attempt to hack Republican um, uh, campaigns and websites as well. This year, she issued a statement saying the cyber attack was unsuccessful and, quote, it is outrageous that they think they can get away with this. I will not be intimidated. Uh, it's an amazing report worth everybody's read at the Daily Beast, Sam. Why Senator... The Daily Beast, that paragon of journalistic ethics and reliability. If you want to know what the Democrats, uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to end up talking about uh, this Michael Cohen thing. All that really needs to be said is... Uh, this is a guy that was the president's lawyer that now has joined the other side and is trying to use his inside knowledge against his former client to harm his former client. If I was on a jury or, 
or even considering, uh, you know, a grand jury or, or even considering uh, this guy's credibility, I would chalk him up as a rat and, uh, and, and discount anything he has to say. I'm not, I don't think, even though he knows all of the president's, uh, you know, most uh, intimate secrets, that he has anything. Because if he did, why in the world would he have, um, have uh, blown, basically, his chance for a pardon by flipping on the president? This isn't going to get him off the hook. But if you want to hear the, uh, the, the Democrats' real message for the upcoming midterm elections, it's pretty well summarized by this uh, New York Times columnist Michelle Goldberg that was appearing on MSNBC. Well, come on now. Compromised requires... Look, I think that increasingly to believe that the president isn't compromised requires such a leap of faith. It requires so many coincidences and kind of inexplicable behavioral choices. I think that the truth is probably what is right in front of us, which is that Donald Trump was a a kind of a con man, a third tier failed businessman. A third tier failed businessman that developed billions and billions of dollars worth of real estate in Manhattan, the most difficult real estate market in the world, and who has amassed a fortune, a personal fortune of over $10 billion and flew around on his own 747. Yes, but he's a con man and a failed businessman. Whose fortunes were rescued by Russian oligarchs. He, 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 ran, he, he presented himself um, as a kind of titan of industry, which everybody who knows anything about him knew was ridiculous. He became president with the direct intervention of Putin. And Putin helped him so that he could arm the Ukrainians, destroy the Russian export market for natural gas, and kill 300 uh, Russian mercenaries in Syria. These people are unhinged to the point of being um, actually certifiably insane. We got to run out to a break. I want to thank you for joining us uh, all this week. Uh, sorry for the uh, for the storm outside the window today. I'm going to be interested to see how it sounds on the air. But uh, but uh, this has been a very good week uh, in um, in an America First agenda for Trump land, and I uh, hope it'll be as good next week. And I hope you'll join us then for another edition of America First Radio on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. 
Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.